1: Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Bulldog Hours Season 2. I am one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and sitting next to me,
0: co-host Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back for another update in the season here, and, uh, you know, a few games we can talk about. And, uh, again, we, we like getting these in-season uh, updates done. We're getting more done than we did last year, so it- it's kind of nice to break it. The- break down the season a little bit more.
1: Yeah, this is our fourth episode of the second season, like I said. And last year in the first season, we did a grand total of four episodes. And that was through the course of two preseason weeks and 12 games. And we're here only week four, six weeks into the season with, you know, including training camp. And we're already on the fourth episode. And we're trying to do this every other week throughout the year because, you know, people seem to like it. Uh, and we, we have fun doing it and we have fun on Friday nights covering the team. So, uh, here we are again, we're going to recap weeks three and four, which just wrapped up two nights ago. And we're going to preview weeks five and six and, um, you know, just kind of go over where our future opponents are, the history of the series between Wilson and the uh, opponent. And we'll also look back at week three and four and how the Bulldogs fared in those, those contests. But, um, We'd love to be able to uh, interact with anyone out there listening or watching, and there's a lot of ways you can do that. For more information on that, make sure you visit BulldogHour.com, but you can find us on social media uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, just look for the Bulldog Hour or at Bulldog Hour. And uh, you can also email us. All that information, like I said, is on BulldogHour.com. So if you need anything from us, go to the show website, BulldogHour.com. There you can find all the Season 1 um, video and podcast, as well as anything we've done for Season 2, and also a link to our players of the games are listed at the bottom, the sponsors that help us out. And uh, if you'd like to become a sponsor, you can also find that information on there. Uh, and any, any help from... Um, anyone out there listening that enjoys the show is always appreciated. And even just sharing the the site online on social media and with your friends and family, just tell them to hit us up at bulldogdower.com. And we'd really, really appreciate it. Just spreading the word. Hopefully you've seen it in the featured in the bulldog blitz. And I believe at our, uh, the game five, versus McCaskey, we're going to have um, Mr. Wayne Sear have a little audio announcement during stoppage of play, just to make sure that people are aware that the Bulldog Hour is back, and uh, it features me and Justin, and uh, get you as much Wilson Bulldogs football as we possibly can. All right, so when we... Last left you, Wilson was two and zero after a thrilling overtime victory over Spring Ford. But they knew that their biggest test of the early season was coming in Week Three, and that is when Wilson traveled to Harrisburg to take on the Central Dolphin Rams, who the Bulldogs fell to last year in Week Three at home at Gurski by a score of twenty to nineteen. And it was a hard-fought game, but you know you could tell that we went toe to toe with them, didn't come out on the right side. But you know, it was exactly what we expected. It was a tough, hard-fought game. Fast forward a year later, and I'm not sure much has changed other than the venue. While the score may appear a little bit differently, it's not one of those games where you could look at the box score and know for sure how the game went.
0: Yeah, you know, the outcome of the game wasn't exactly uh, what we wanted or really anything close to what we wanted. Um, but again, like you said, I don't, I don't think it tells the whole story. Um, people who were there... I th- I think would agree with us for the most part um on both sides. Um you know some it, it just seemed to not be not be the Bulldogs night um again last week at at Central Dolphin. You know tough place to go. Um one of the top teams in the district every year uh traveling to their home field to play. Um you know you it's going to be tough to begin with. Then you get some some breaks that don't necessarily go your way, you know, and that that makes things even tougher but again you're that's all magnified when you're playing a great team uh you know when when you're not playing the top level team sometimes those things yeah they may slow you down but they don't really necessarily matter in the end result that's not the case when you're playing one of the top level teams you know you usually need everything to be uh clicking right and i think we would have agreed you no know, going into that game we would we would have agreed you know in order for wilson to get out of here with a win they're going to need to play their best game so far um and have things turn out that way, you know, kind of go along with that. And that certainly wasn't the case. Um, no, it definitely. And, and so anything short of that was was going to be a problem. and that, That's basically, I think, where we ended up.
1: Yeah, so week three, Friday, September 16th at Central, Central Dolphin, at Speed Ebersole Stadium, the Bulldogs fell to the Central Dolphin Rams 24-6. to So like Justin mentioned, it wasn't exactly uh, what I think a lot of us expected to happen. Um, but again, the score is a bit misleading, you know, 18 points is for our Wilson team is, is big. It's their worst loss since, and this date should sound familiar since October 26, 2007, they hadn't lost by this many points in nearly a decade. And the reason that that date might sound familiar is because it's the last time they lost a league game, which was to Manheim Township on that day uh, in Manheim Township. That was 26 to seven. Uh, and it was also pointed out by, I believe, by at least the Red and Eagle. I'm not sure if it was Mike Drago or not, but the six points scored by the Bulldogs in the week three loss to Central Dolphin is the fewest points a Wilson team has scored since they were dismantled by uh, a pretty good Redding team in 2003, a 44 to 2. That one happened at Gersky. That was Chad Henney's senior fall and also featured someone by the name of James Bryant.
0: Yeah. That- um, for those of you that, that remember those games, there were a few years there. The Henny Bryant matchups were just played up so much. Um, and th- that, one was no different and it did not go the Bulldogs way. I was not there for that one. Um, and that's okay with me. That, <laughs> that was, that does not look like a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that, that's back at the time when Wilson still ended the season with Redding and then Mifflin usually back yep. to back. Um, so, uh, that was now, just a year after me. Right. Redding's off the schedule, and Mifflin is now week one. So things have changed a lot, and as, as you can tell by th- that result, things have changed with some of the programs, too. But
1: For um, sure. <laughs> so now we're going to take a look at the highlights that we put together from the Central Dolphin game, and we are not going to just focus on uh, the Wilson-centric ones, but we're going to um, highlight the aspects of the game that are important. So, anytime there was a score or a change of possession that mattered, we're going to show that to you here. So, and there were some issues with the film in the first quarter. So, we're actually going to start um, at the end of that quarter. The Rams are already up seven to nothing. Uh, but Wilson is on offense, and Grayson Kleins at quarterback, and he's able to hit senior receiver Justin Weller for 14 yards. Unfortunately, the drive would end in a punt. Now we're in the mid-second quarter with the Rams still up seven nothing. Midfield. Grayson Klein once again is going to find again Justin Weller, 29 yards, and the the uh, highlight circle was a little bit off here. So the huddle huddle has not been the best so far. But uh, four plays later, Grayson Klein, a little bit of miscommunication between him and uh, the wide receiver, and they are intercepted at the two, so the drive would end. Fortunately, the D forced a 3-and-out and out at a short punt, so the Bulldogs got in the good field position at the Rams' 32. And on the first play of the drive, Tommy O'Brien gets the pass from Yurig, a shovel, and gets 23 yards. Now, two plays later for the Bulldogs, and Connor Yurig is able to connect with Alex Twyford for the score. Right here, nicely thrown ball. We've seen that play a lot the first few games of the season. Unfortunately for Wilson, though, the extra point would be blocked. Not sure where it happened, if it was the guys jumping or someone penetrating the line, but the extra point is blocked. So Wilson trails seven to six in the second. Now, uh, the D forced another three and out, and the offense is going to start on the Rams 42 after a central Dolphin punt and penalty when <laughs> kick-catch interference happens. And he didn't. this wasn't on purpose no. or with any kind of intent to injure the Wilson player. Um, but it it gave uh, Wilson good field position. All right, and then the first play after that penalty, the first play of that drive is a rush by Iggy Reynoso, I think. Oh, no, it looks like Huddle has gotten our plays all messed up, which is absolutely wonderful. Um, so Connor Jurg there with the run. Now I, I believe Grayson Klein is in at quarterback on this highlight here. Oh, and this is the fumble. This is the play we've got to talk about. So if you're watching the video, you see um, Alex Twyford just went in the flat little pass. He appeared to have caught the ball, but as soon as he was hit, he fumbled. And if you're watching the video and you see it over and over again, and see see if I can roll it back a few seconds here, he never had full possession. And then I highlighted it, and hey, the circle is actually where it's supposed to be. As you can see, Twyford and the Central Dolphin defender, who I believe is Manus Frank, is on the ground. His knees are on the ground. He's recovering the so-called fumble, which wasn't a fumble, as we've established. He picks up the ball and shows it to the official, and their coaches are saying, run with the ball. Why? Because the officials never ruled him down. They never ruled an incompletion, and they gave him the touchdown, which is uh, absurd for so many reasons. One, it wasn't a catch, so it couldn't be a fumble. And two, if it was a fumble, he recovered it already on the ground, meaning he's down in high
0: school football. Even if it would have been in NFL football, he would have been down because he was in contact with the other player. Right. So, and this actually
1: resulted in following the game as their players are doing their handshake line, the coaches are walking through. Central Dolphin coaches, I don't know if it's Glenn McNamee, the Central Dolphin head coach, but... A few of the Central Dolphin coaches came over to the Wilson coaches, and they apologized for that specific play. Obviously, it's not their fault; they had nothing to do with it. Right. But the and, officiating in the game. Other than that, I don't know if it was awful. You know, right. it was and, your typical high school officiating, but that play specifically was gigantic.
0: Right. Yeah. No, that's that's a huge uh, swing. You know, even even if you take Wilson needing to punt after that you know again wilson made plenty of mistakes on their own and, and you know shot themselves in the foot a lot but again we talked about before the game we kind of mentioned we need to kind of hit on all cylinders and then things tend to go your way you know if that's the way it was going it things weren't going necessarily our way altogether yeah. but it was kind of an even match thing and when that happened that kind of took the wind out of the sails a little bit and it's tough to kind of recover from that and And just that momentum swing again against a really good team. Because at the same time, where you might have that thought of maybe things aren't going our way, you hope that doesn't creep into your head, but maybe it is starting to. On the other side, Central Dolphins probably starting to think, wow, things are really just going our way tonight. You know, like, because to be on the other side of that, you know, you start to think, well, maybe tonight's our night. We
1: saw it in week two against Springfield. Wasn't the best officiating performance we saw it in week three central dolphin probably a little bit better, but
0: that was an egregious mistake like and there was no excuse. He was literally standing right there. Yeah, it wasn't lack of position. It wasn't you know, sometimes there's a crazy play where you know what? No one has a good view of it. and That's just the way it is. This was right They're right in there. front of him. Yeah.
1: All right. Let's pick it up right after the terrible officiating with the Wilson on offense Connor Yurig is going to hit running back Iggy Minoso on a screen that's going to go for 37 yards. It was one of the Bulldogs' biggest plays of the evening, and this got them down to the Central Dolphin 31 late in the second quarter. Now, there was a couple incompletions in between uh, a short completion. Bulldogs now facing fourth and eight, and Yurig is able to hit Justin Weller for a nine to keep the drive alive. There was a, a seven-yard rush after that, Sandwich in between two incompletions. And then Wilson chose to attempt a 30-yard field goal by senior kicker Nick Borelli. However, it is blocked but is picked up by senior holder Mason McElroy. I think the now, key was when it was
0: blocked, the ball went backwards. Right.
1: Now you could see Central Dauphin was still celebrating the blocked kick, but didn't realize that because it was a live ball and advanced, Wilson got a first down. Yeah, heads-up play by Mason. Yeah,
0: absolutely great play by senior Mason McElroy. Again, there there was an advantage of, you know, sometimes that might get whistled dead, whether it should be or shouldn't. You know, sometimes in just the chaos, Mason picked it up and ran. There was no whistle, got got the first down, uh, which, again, gave us a few shots, and we're closing in on halftime here.
1: After the heads-up play by Mason, there was an incompletion, a sack, and then a timeout, followed by yet another incompletion. So the Bulldogs are now facing 4th and 18, just 2 seconds left in the first half. Connor Yurig is going to look for Brian Wright on a post in the end zone. Unfortunately for Wilson, the Rams defender undercuts Brian at the last moment, deflects the ball. And that is the way the second half, or excuse me, the second quarter and the first half would come to an end with Wilson down 14 to 6 at halftime. Now, Wilson kicked off and the ball went out of bounds. So the Rams ended up starting on their own 40 in the third quarter. Um, And the Bulldogs defense surrendered 28 yards on the first three plays. They stiffened and forced a punt. So we pick up the video with Wilson uh, having the ball. Um, But unfortunately, on the fourth play of the drive, it's going to end with another interception. This one, not the fault of the quarterback, maybe a a tad low, but it's deflected at the line, and who else but Mika Parsons picks it off, setting up another Rams drive. Six straight rushes sets up the 26-yard field goal by Central Dolphin, and the Rams now are up 17-6 in the third quarter. Wilson got the ball back and two offensive plays later, well, unfortunately, bad luck struck again. An, a nicely thrown ball by Grayson Klein goes off the fingertips of Fodejalo and bounces right into the hands of a central Dolphin defender. Just another example right. of nothing going Wilson's way right. in terms of the ball
0: bouncing. Exactly. You know, you're looking, you know, you're a couple inches from a big play, maybe jump starting a drive there to kind of swing back and make another one last run at it. And next thing you know, they're heading the other way with the ball again. You know, it just, it was one of those times where there were lots of things you could talk about. And we, we talked about this on the ride home. Um, there were a lot of things that just, you know, not that you're looking for what went wrong, but there were lots of things that just went wrong. Um, and when you add all those together. That's how you end up down twenty four to six.
1: Yeah, I, I want to jump back to the first half because other than Central Dolphin's first drive, which unfortunately we couldn't show because the, the video wasn't working properly, Another other than one that, of those things. other than that first drive, Wilson defense shut Central Dolphin down. They, I mean, they controlled the game. They gave up, you know, they they bent on that first drive, gave up the touchdown early, but then they responded and they held them to, I think. Like three first downs well, the rest
0: of the first half? If you look at Central Dolphin, week one, they scored 31 points against Mannheim Township. Week two, they scored 31 points Susquehanna against Township. Susquehanna Township. The offense scored 17 points against Wilson, mm-hmm. and they scored 40 some points uh, in week four against Carlisle. I believe 40. I think some it points. was more than that actually. Okay, they, they, yeah, so their offense has been really lighting up the scoreboard in Wilson's defense. Held their offense to seventeen points, and two of the drives started in Wilson territory because of interceptions. Right, so you know the the Wilson defense. If you're looking for a, a bright spot or silver or, linings, or, in or the yeah, game. silver linings. That's probably the better way to put it. Um, yeah, you know, the Wilson defense did well against some of the highest competition that you're you're going to get in District Three. Right, and uh, you know
1: they methodically drove down the field again in this highlight here and the seventh play of a drive is a passing touchdown. Um, now it's, uh, this one was a little interesting and the coaches didn't really understand it because as you see, as I highlighted there the circles, not lining up cr- properly, but you can see, uh, the, the Wilson defensive back, I believe it's Mason McElroy and the central dolphin receiver. Again, I think that's Manis Frank. Um, Get into a little bit of a pushing match, and you can see that it resulted in the Rams' defense or receiver pushing Mason, and then you see the flag come in. and You're like, oh, okay, they they're gonna call that. Well, they did call that. What they called was offensive, or excuse me, defensive holding. Defensive holding on that play. Yeah. And I remember looking at the Wilson coaches when the flag was thrown, and and Jeremy Palm was like, they're gonna call, they're gonna call a offensive pass interference, you know, because he pushed off of him. And then they announce it. And then as soon as he could see them talk, conversing, he's like, they're calling defensive holding. And he just started to shake his head. It was just one of those nights. It was just one of those nights. Um, so Central Dolphin now is up 24-6. to The third quarter would come to the end with the score being the same. Um, Wilson would go over to turn the ball over on downs. The defense, again, would step up, force a three and out. Uh, but time became of the essence, you know, we're in the fourth quarter, you're down by 18 points, something's got to happen. Uh, and in five plays, Wilson gets 62 yards. Um, the first is a 27-yard pass from Connor Yerg to Brian Wright. We're going to take a look at that right here. It's a beautifully thrown ball down the sideline on a little bit of a, a a go route. Brian Wright's able to come up with the ball. And then following an incompletion, is then able to find Justin Weller over the middle for 19 yards. And then, following another incompletion, Yurg is able to find senior wide receiver Fodejalo Low for 16 yards. Unfortunately, once that play came, oh, that wasn't to him. Yeah, that apparently, was, that was that to Mason. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, again, huddle video not working very well, but we'll just go over these last few here and uh, address some of the some of what was happening. Um, so, uh, we didn't see the video of photo catching it, but, um, there was another turnover over by downs on Wilson following the end of that drive. The defense forced another three and out. Um, and then I think the video that we actually saw was on a third play of that drive. There was a 16 yard pass from Grayson Klein to Mason McElroy, and he had some shifty moves to get them that far. Unfortunately, Wilson would turn it over on downs again and then Central Dolphin ran out the clock in the last part of the video you saw was the final score 24 to 6 all right so some team statistics from the loss to Central Dolphin you know when you look at the raw numbers without the score wilson the, the biggest detriment to wilson was their inability to run the ball yeah the the bulldogs gained just 27 yards on rushes Versus 233 for Central Dolphin. Yeah, so they were outrushed by 260 Over 200
0: yards. yards. That's insane.
1: Yeah. Now, first downs, Wilson got 19. Central Dolphin had 12. Passing yards, Wilson, 240. Central Dolphin, 68. Total yards, relatively close. 267 for the Bulldogs. The Rams with 301. But Yeah,
0: the- if you get outrushed by over 200 yards and then you only lose the total yards battle by you know 34, that's not...
1: That's not bad. No, the, the bigger thing are these ones coming up here. Time no. of possession. Wilson only had the ball for 17 and a half minutes, whereas Central Dolphin had it for 30 and a half minutes. Right.
0: And think about that. 30 and a half to 17. And Wilson had 19 first downs to CD's
1: 12. Right. So CD's drive were long and methodical and they kept the defense on the field. You know, with the number of two way starters that Wilson has, they had to start to feel, um, the exhaustion, even though they're always going to be one of the, Best-conditioned programs right. that that'll start to wear on a defense, and those guys going two ways. Another big story: a uh, third and fourth down conversions combined. Wilson was one of fifteen, whereas Central Dolphin was six of seventeen. You know, th- third down alone, Wilson didn't convert a single third down in the entire game against Central
0: Dolphin. That's crazy. That's that's a crazy statistic, right
1: there. And then the last one: red zone. Central Dolphin three out of four trips inside the twenty; they got points. Wilson five times, one
0: score. Yep. And like you said, um, a lot of that is just a lot of things coming together. Um, You look at some of the numbers, it looks pretty even. And some of the other numbers, you can start to see the difference um, in where where you end up at 24 to 6. Um, So, again, not, you know, there were lots of things that that did go wrong. Uh, There were some silver linings, like we talked about when we were watching the highlights. Hopefully, um, you know, you're able to take something from that game. Because, again, it is against... Um, some a really high level of competition and that's not to be lost. Like when you, when you schedule the tough non-league opponents, um, you're not necessarily doing it for the, to hope you get an undefeated regular season. That's not, that's not the direct goal. You know, obviously that's a goal. Um, but that's not a direct goal. Uh, the idea is to get better each week and hopefully build to be playing, um, past the end of October, early November. Right. So, you know, This is a game that Wilson needs to use in order to get better over the next two months, uh, you know, to hopefully, well, I guess over the next month ish and and hopefully continue for two months. So
1: some key individual stats, uh, running back, Iggy Reynoso are seven times for 19 yards. He also had one reception uh, for 22 yards. Senior Justin Weller holding six catches for 79 yards. Alex Twyford was 3 for 11, and he had the touchdown. Uh, Connor Urig uh, had the most pass attempts from the quarterbacks. He was 14 of 29 for 171 yards, and the touchdown to Twyford, he also had that one deflection interception. Grayson Klein was 6 of 15, 69 yards, and he had two interceptions, one of those being the deflection interception. And on defense, Fode Jalo was all over the field against Central Dolphin, making a lot of key stops. He had eleven and a half tackles, one of them for loss, as well as a pass breakup. And uh, senior safety Tommy O'Brien also eight and a half tackles and three pass breakups. So looking back over the film and the stats, and you know being there in person watching the game, we thought uh, it was senior wide receiver and outside linebacker Fode Jalo, who was the Wilson Player of the Game and the loss to central dolphin besides his 11 and a half tackles. He also contributed three receptions for 40 yards. So Fode is the bulldog hour player of the game for central dolphin. So Justin, any final thoughts about the, the loss to the Rams?
0: Just, you know, we, we talked about all the things that, uh, could have been, or, or, you know, you'd like to kind of have back in that game. Um, but again, those are the reasons you schedule the week three tough games uh, so that you can learn from them. Um, you know, it's, it's always going to be a big physical matchup. You know, both teams are coming out of there, you know, uh, having had to leave it all on the field uh, because if you don't, you're not going to be successful. However, I think both teams can learn a lot from that game and move on. And I expect both teams to get better as the season goes on. Hopefully, for our point of view, Wilson uh, is able to kind of take some of the silver linings and some of the things that didn't go right because some of those were self inflicted. Plenty of those were self inflicted, um, and hopefully they can kind of shore up some of those things, learn from them, and and use that going forward against uh, teams that aren't Central Dolphin, you know, and and uh, continue to get better through the end of September here and into October.
1: Yeah, Coach Tom summarized it pretty well following the game. And he just basically said, Hey, that's a great team you played. We didn't play great. We can play better than what you played. You can't blame it on the officiating. Why that one no. t- call was terrible. Everything else was, you know, kind of right. what was expected. You just, you have to, you have to play better. We, we, like you said, we shot ourselves in the foot. We made too many mental mistakes. Right.
0: And you can say what you want, you know, when they went down 14 6 on that play. But you know what? We had, with the first down after the blocked field goal, we had, seven plays, Mm -hmm. not counting the block field goal, seven plays from inside the 25 or so that we had a chance at the end of the first half. And we didn't, we didn't, weren't able to get points. And earlier I'll an
1: interception at the two, like that's a one for five in in the red zone. It's just not going to cut it.
0: Exactly. So, you know, there, there are plenty of things to get better. Um, just finally, I, you know, after last year's week three, uh, game, you know, that was one where you walked away and you felt like, you know what, we, It was tough because you felt like you played good enough to win. You just didn't, you know, and those are always kind of the really tough games. This one, it's hard to walk away from that game, all the other things aside, and be like, oh, we were the team that deserved to win that game. Yeah, it just didn't really have that feel to it. Um, And that's unfortunate because I don't think that's the. The potential of this team. I just think that's just the way it played out that particular Friday night.
1: Right, and with one key injury: a senior inside linebacker and, and H back, uh, Leo Quigley, um, left the game uh, injured and was unable to play in Week Four against Warwick. So that's where the Bulldogs traveled to open Lancaster-Lebanon League play on Friday, September 23rd, to take on the Warwick Warriors. They'd also be without senior, or excuse me, junior quarterback Grayson Klein. And senior offensive lineman, Franz Borden, uh, all with injuries, didn't get to play against Warwick. Um, so Connor, you're, got every snap at quarterback. First time this year, one quarterback has played the entire game. Filling in for, uh, senior offensive lineman, Franz Borden was freshman offensive lineman, Nate Keller and we also got to see a lot more offensive plays from freshman running back Abdul Mcfoy. Yeah, so, so, a couple of young guys filling in as the Bulldogs open league play and
0: typically offensive line is not a spot where you see that far of an underclassman get some get some looks. You know, usually yeah, you know, we've we've had some freshmen, especially at skill positions, that have Ian gotten some time. It
1: comes to mind, right? You know, we've seen actually one of the bigger ones, I believe, Colton Weaver, right. a freshman, started right. at linebacker. Which,
0: you know, again, another spot which is really kind of crazy, especially when you take into account how important those positions are in the Wilson defense. Um, but you know, offensive line, that's it's a different level from. Um, well, not very, he would have been playing middle school last year. So right. it's a big jump from middle school football to varsity football. <laughs> um, and but Hey, you know what you need, you need somebody to step in there when the other guys go down and, um, you know, it's kind of that next man up. You know, that's kind of cliche, but that's kind of the way it is. We need to be able to step in there and fill it in.
1: And I think, unfortunately for him, Franz Borden has a pretty significant ankle tweak that uh, he could be held out this week as well. I think it's up in the air at this moment. But we could see um, freshman Nate Keller playing once again uh, this coming week, uh, week five, as the Bulldogs return to Gursky to host uh, Lancas McCaskey, who we'll talk about in just a bit. But back to week four, Friday, September 23rd. Wilson goes to Warwick 57 game section one winning streak on the line. And whew, uh, this one was close. A lot closer than I think some some expected. Although Warwick is a much improved team this year. They've been flying pretty high. And we, you know, when we profiled we them on the last well, we episode on season two, episode three, that Warwick is a uh, they've been putting up the numbers. While the defense been a little iffy, they've scored fifty plus in back to back weeks against Garden Spot and Effreda. And Wilson always has a tough time going to Warwick for whatever reason. Wilson just struggles in limits. And I, I, I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. But let's take a look at some of the highlights from the game against Warwick. If you will allow me to do so, Huddle. All right, here we go. All right, so Wilson started off. They received the kick, and on one of the first plays of the game, it was a little uh, flare pass from Yurig to O'Brien, gets Wilson into war territory. Then, again, same thing to the other side of the field. Yurig hits O'Brien. He gets to the sideline, picks up another first down. Then Wilson tries to go deep, and they're able to connect Yurig to senior Brian Wright at the two, now this is where the officiating started to go a little sideways, and this is the literally the first drive of the game. Wilson had just gotten the ball. Now Brian Wright had caught the ball with his hands; was absolutely no problem with that whatsoever. But he, as it appears from me standing right there, I'm not sure he ever got a foot inside,
0: right uh, it, down. It's kind of hard to tell from the video. Um, it was close, and he made a great catch. He made a great. Oh, point it was a great catch. Yeah, as you can tell. Uh, the referee who's standing there doesn't really have any idea either.
1: Well, the guy, he doesn't ever call it. The he guy kind of across waits for someone field. else. Right. Yeah, the, the guy, guy
0: comes running across the field. Well, let me refresh. The guy comes across the field. It, he wasn't running across the field. No. But. So they give Wilson the ball actually inside
1: the two, just outside the one-yard line. And then um, Wilson immediately gives the ball, and there's freshman Abdul McFoy. And he gets lit up but falls into the end zone to give the Bulldogs an early lead. Extra point is good. Wilson leads seven to nothing. All seems well. <laughs> yeah, it all seems really well because they, the defense forced work to go three and out. And then McFoy, again, another big run getting to midfield on uh, Wilson's – I believe this was their second drive. And, um, you know, the things were going well early. The first quarter was in Wilson's favor. There, you know, there's a nice completion and pickup from Juerg to right. And then uh, here – Jurig, oh he overthrows Justin Weller and it's the Warwick picks off the ball. That's kind of where things started to unravel a little bit. Wilson had all the momentum and that tiny miscue changed things a bit, but the Wilson defense held and Wilson got the ball back and on fourth down Green in catch. the second quarter Fodejalo makes a nice diving catch to keep the drive alive and it would pay off big time as uh Jürg drops back to pass avoids this, and this is just something that a mobile quarterback can do, make a guy miss, and look what he changes it. He ends up getting all the way down to the five. Well, he should have been sacked for a loss. He gets down to the five, and on the very next play, Wilson's
0: going to go to the sideline with Iggy Reynoso. You can tell pretty quickly, Iggy gets the ball. No one's cutting that corner for him. I mean, they have a guy come and kind of make it close, but... I mean, he was already in oh, until yeah. he get, his legs get yeah. taken out
1: from under him. So now you're like, okay, this is good. Wilson's up 14 to nothing in the second quarter. Fine. We we recovered from the turnover. The defense has been stifling. You know, work like I said. Work scored over a hundred points over the, the two games prior to this. They were airing it out and doing it with a lot of success. So things look to be going in Wilson's favor. You're going to see a beautiful uh, jet or end around here by Mason McCroy to pick up a first down in the second quarter. And, you know, Wilson's just rolling. It, throughout the game, though, not being highlighted here, just weird, weird penalties. Like, he just didn't know where they were coming from. So Wilson driving again. And then, well, they get stopped. Warwick drives down the field a little bit. Um, Wilson gets the ball back. Doesn't do too much. So they're deep in their end zone. Um, right before halftime. Right before halftime after uh, after stopping Warwick pinning them deep. Wilson not being able to move the ball, throwing a few incompletions to keep some time on the clock. Wilson now has to punt from their 15. Punter Alex Joswiak is uh, inside the five-yard line. And, well, you probably know this is going a low snap because, once again, senior Franz Borden, who didn't play, is the normal long snapper. The punt is blocked. Warwick recovers at the one. Well, on the very next play, Warwick's able to get into the end zone on just an inside zone play by their running back who actually does lose the ball pretty quickly but he was clearly already across the plane yeah. into the end zone. So at halftime Wilson leads 14 to 7 but all the momentum is on Warwick's side.
0: Right, yeah, I think that I think the defense had only given up like three first downs or something like that. You know, the, the, it was still lopsided even though it wasn't lopsided on the scoreboard. Um, well, I think Warwick had a
1: total of like was it sixty or eighty yards the whole first half. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't Wilson had over two hundred. Right.
0: So you know, while the score was close, you're like, okay, you know, we'll come out, defense will get a stop, and we'll we'll just kind of go from there. Hopefully, get a few scores, and and everything will be okay. And we've been talking about how good the defense was. There weren't a lot of highlight plays.
1: You know, there weren't many. Sacks or or any interceptions or anything, they were just playing well. They were stopping the runs at the line or just a yard or two. They were knocking down passes or they're keeping the passes short. Right, they avoided
0: Uh, giving up the big pass plays. They they were connecting underneath, but they were avoiding giving up big plays downfield.
1: Now here, though, we do get to see a a defensive sack. Jake Morris, after a good setup by Chris Price and forcing the quarterback to move up in the pocket, Jake Morris finds the quarterback Tremarchi, the three-year starter, the senior, and takes him down. Now, Warwick did drive down far enough on that series to get in field goal range. So Wilson's up fourteen to seven. Warwick attempts the field goal, and he's going to hit it without much of resistance from the Bulldogs field goal block team. So the score now fourteen to ten, favor Wilson. You can see near the end of the third quarter. You could also see the
0: towel. I was telling you. Uh, Oh, there was the towel. The guy with
1: the towel. (laughs) So now. It, we're, we're approaching mid- and fourth quarter
0: here. Wilson pinned deep in their territory. Yeah, and you start to think, oh, man, you, you can't really have a mistake here um, or, or we could have some trouble. And a
1: beautiful play on the read option. It's junior quarterback Connor Year gets Wilson all the way out to their 35, a wonderful play by the quarterback. And then on one of the next plays, and I believe, I'm going to stop it here, but I think one of Huddle's highlight options is going to pop up. Now, you see where Wilson snapped the ball? It was on their 49. You are allowed to hit receivers within five yards, which would be the opponent, opposite 44-yard line. Where did he just get hit? You see him right over here? <laughs> you see that? See how he's almost 10 yards downfield? Ball in the air, by the way. And it leads to a Warwick interception because the receiver that he was throwing to was hit nine yards down the field when the ball was in the air. Now, was there a flag thrown on that? No, there was no flag thrown on that. And that just kind of highlight. I mean, you can see the coaches. If you're watching the video, you can see the coaches with their arms out and the players wondering how is there no flag on that? How do you miss that? An eligible receiver nearly 10 yards downfield, gets absolutely leveled in the back, in the back while the ball's in the air. Warwick picks it off, and you're just shaking your head like, okay, here we go. Well, the Wilson defense, again, did a great job, forced a Warwick punt. You know, we're in the final few minutes now of the fourth quarter. Wilson's got the ball, again, deep in their territory, right around the 10-yard line. Who does Wilson turn to? Senior running back Tommy O'Brien takes a nice little swing pass, and picks up a huge, huge amount of yardage. He goes, I think, nearly 60 yards, uh, maybe even closer to 70 yards, and is finally tackled inside the Warwick 35-yard line. So you're thinking, great, this is what we needed. Well, unfortunately, uh, Wilson would either punt or turn it over on downs, deep in Warwick territory, with about a minute to play. So Warwick got the ball back. (laughs) A, A lot more officiating issues which nearly every play you could point out and I wish we had like sideline view of just the line because the Warwick offensive linemen were holding the Wilson defenders every play and I don't
0: did Warwick get called for any holds I think I think almost all of their penalties were pre-snap penalties almost all maybe not all of them but they got called for a lot of pre-snap penalties but virtually none during during the game
1: so last play sure, of the game I say during which the some people say probably shouldn't have even happened because of what was going on with clock management. And uh, we don't don't really know what the rest were doing, but you know, at one point there was three seconds left. Then there was 0.4 seconds left. Then there was 4.5 seconds left. They bounced around and we just couldn't really understand what was going on, which
0: came on a pre-snap penalty penalty with less than 10 seconds left. I I don't know the rules well enough to know what exactly the ruling should be. Right? When is there a 10 second runoff? Um, But also, yeah. In reality, they were tackled inbounds on that play. Right. So if we, if there isn't a penalty, game over. Right. So they basically were awarded. They basically a were play. given one last play. Right. And that's this
1: is the last play. We're on the Wilson side of the fifty. It was snapped, uh, I think, around the forty-three yard line. Uh, their senior quarterback scrambles, and he's going to get hit here by soft I'll linebacker Nick Johnson when
0: he ran past the line of scrimmage. I had a sense of relief because. I was pretty confident he wasn't going to run 45 yards in for the touchdown. Um, but you know, if he heaves it up, who knows what happens? But, um, you never know. And again, not the, not the prettiest of, of out of games, but we'll, we'll take the outcome. 14 10 win for Wilson. Like you said, the games against Warwick, it seems like every year, um, or at least every other year. The ones at Warwick and the ones at home, I don't ever
1: think are an issue for whatever reason. Uh, but man, man, the ones that are at Warwick are just we 2012. I've talked about that one many a times. That was just that was, that one was well, crazy. And it, Jimmy and Brooks went off in the second a lot half. Of it, a
0: lot of it has come at the end of the season, which you know you get when you're there. You have so it means it's their senior night. You know you have right. all the kind of emotion, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. When it's at Wilson, it's Wilson's senior night. You know right. now here it's the first well, they league they game as opposed first so, league game. You know I don't like you said the first half everything seemed to be going. I shouldn't say everything seemed to be going Wilson's way, but enough, you know, more so than the week before at Central Dolphin, things were going and then, you know, the block punt, but even there, you know, they, Wilson had more things going their way. It's just, they were still off a little bit and couldn't, couldn't put quite put everything together. However, that being said, when the time to make plays came up, they, they seemed to always make enough big plays, you know, whether that's, Tommy running the ball. Yeah, unfortunately it wasn't
1: on the scoreboard fast. Right. It, right. Exactly. It.
0: exactly. But, you know, whether it's Tommy getting us out of literally the shadows of our own goalposts late in the game mm-hmm. up four points. Um, or whether it's, you know, some linemen making big plays in that last drive, you know, putting pressure on the quarterback or, Knocking the ball down, great coverage on I think the second or third to last play, I guess when they threw deep mm-hmm. inside the ten, and we had two guys right there who knocked it down, like we were able to make enough big plays, which is good um but again not not necessarily the whole product that you're looking for, right.
1: so some of the stats, and I know the statistics were a little up in the air with some issues that we were having in in the uh in the box. We'll just blame Justin for it. Um, <laughs> Wilson, 16 first downs. Warwick, 10. Rushing yards. Wilson doubled up Warwick. 164 to 82. Passing yards. Wilson, 205. For Warwick, 80. So you can kind of see Warwick had a grand total of 162 yards. For a
0: team that had been airing it out and blowing the doors off of right. the teams. The, well, uh, well, two of the first three weeks. And the game they lost was against Mannheim Central, who is – uh, you know one of the best teams in the probably state probably the section 2 favorite and Easily. and probably the is, district favorite right it's going to be one of the district favorites at 4 are they at 4 i think Are they four? I don't know. I don't don't know. I don't know where
1: they are. We'll go with four. We'll go with four. Um, But, yeah, Warwick, 162 yards. Wilson had 200 more, more than 200 more than the 369. So, Wilson was moving the ball, but they weren't capitalizing in the red zone again or not even necessarily inside the 20. It was kind of inside, like, the 35. Right. Like, Wilson would get down to the
0: 35 or closer and just couldn't do anything. Not close enough to kick a field goal, but close enough where you were usually going to – Well. It's not that they got down there to fourth down every time, but it, you know they had their chances and just couldn't finish the drives.
1: Wilson also gained that many yards having the ball less time. Wilson had the ball 20 minutes, 12 seconds. Warwick had it 23-42. Now, not a huge difference like last week against Central Dolphin, where the, the discrepancy in time of session was huge. This, you know, relatively close. Uh, but again, third and fourth downs, Wilson 3 of 13 combined, 2 of 10 on third. Warwick 5 of 14, you know, not great, but better than what the Bulldogs were doing. Red zone, Warwick scored the touchdown at the one after the pump block, and they got that field goal. Wilson went two of three, you know. Right. It's just that, that interception again, you know, it's unfortunate. that You're looking for points, and and that happens. But um, individually, some, some players were able to get it done. Now, we talked about Tommy O'Brien he kind of got got it going a lot of it was done through the air with little quick quick passes either the shovel pass or the flare passes um, he rushed the ball twice for 13 yard, yards according to the stats we were given but he had five catches for 90 yards and we saw that big one you know it got 60 plus yards uh to flip field position which was huge in a game that you're up by four and a team you know has the potential to really air it out
0: right you look at some of those yards a lot of those yards came on the first series which led to a touchdown and the last series which basically flipped the field making it Um, a lot for harder for Warwick to be able to drive and try and get some points at the end.
1: Junior Iggy Reynoso and freshman Abdul McFoy both rushed seven times. Iggy getting 30 yards and Abdul 25. Both of them had a touchdown on the ground. The leading receiver outside of Tommy's, Tommy O'Brien's contribution was Brian Wright. He had three for 47, including that catch at the first series of the game that had Wilson set up just outside the one yard line. Uh, Connor Yurig, again, he he's the only quarterback that played because Grayson Klein was out with an ankle injury. He was 14 of 28 for 205 yards. He had the two interceptions. Um, the one which should never have been called an interception because the receiver was attacked <laughs> downfield. Um He also had nine rushes for 65 yards and including one late in the game, deep in Wilson territory that moved the ball out a good 20-some right. yards. Uh On defense, once again, senior Frode Jalot led the way, seven and a half tackles, but junior inside linebacker Trevor Hatley chipped in five and a half. And looking over the film and being there, taking a look at the statistics,
0: it was tough to figure out who we thought the player of the game was. Especially because the statistics weren't really going to jump out at you in this one, Uh but being there, I felt like – um, you know, a number of times there's there's a big play being made. Um and you know, so that that's kind of went into our, our decision here for player of the game.
1: Right. And and this the stats do stick out a little bit. You know, when you get ninety yards receiving, especially as a running back, you must have been doing something right and he made the right moves. So Tommy O'Brien, the Running back and safety, the senior, he's going to get the nod as our Week 4 player of the game for the Bulldogs' victory at Warwick. He, again, had the two rushes for 13 yards, five catches for 90 yards, and from his safety position, he chipped in one-and-a-half tackles. Not eye-popping numbers. Not many people had them. It was kind of a team effort, uh, but when it mattered, Wilson was putting the ball in O'Brien's hands.
0: Yeah, he... He got the ball early, again, kind of setting the tone. Now, I know they, they got some of the other running backs in there as well, but also late in the game. When they needed to move the ball, he came up with some huge plays, and, and that um, you know that was one of the things that stuck out.
1: All right, some pictures from the game. If you're watching, you know Coach Doms addressing the team after the game. Just say, hey, be happy getting out of here with a win. Um, Coach Doms does not usually talk about officiating. I say not usually because this was an exception. He was very, very displeased uh, about the egregious non-calls that were happening, and we highlighted some of them. Um, I believe they were going to be sending a videotape to the officiating council that controls this because they just thought it was absurd the way that the game was officiated.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it's one thing, you know, you hope for consistency, because cause with consistency at least he can make adjustments, and I think that... Uh, that may be where some of the frustration comes in again, you know, move, moving on, like, again, we need to play in a way where in this game specifically, yes, there were, there were some times where it kind of contributed to us shooting ourselves in the foot, but a little bit, you know, we need to clean things up and, and continue to, to get better. Um, You know, you would have liked to seen a little bigger step in the right direction following the central dolphin game. And again, there there were some silver linings in the game, but uh, plenty to work on leading into the McCaskey game next week.
1: Yeah, and, and Coach Tom's—I mean, that wasn't the focus no. of the post-game speech. Obviously, a lot of it was, "Hey, we got to get better." Like you can't have these, you can't put the game in the officials' hands. Right. You would never want that, right? And unfortunately, the last two weeks that's happened. It was kind of a little bit more ridiculous the Warwick game, um, but there's too too many mistakes. You know, the first interception. Uh, the the blocking in general not getting a lot of done they were they were moving the ball in between the forties right? or the thirty fives but once you got inside the thirty fives just couldn't get it done um, you know special teams have to get better coverage and and, and blocking uh, every facet needs improvement and that's kind of where Coach Downs was going hey this is on us we need to get better and now they're in the midst of league play four weeks in. Uh, these, these issues shouldn't be happening. On a lighter note, I know I said post game when I sent it out on Twitter, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't easy, but Wilson was able to get their 58th straight Lancaster lebanon League Section 1 victory. So we thank, uh, John Ventura for, uh, stepping up and allowing me to take a picture of his jersey number. And I'll be, uh, hunting down, hopefully following the week five match versus McCaskey for whoever is wearing 59. And so we hope that streak's not coming to an end anytime soon. So, we mentioned them now a bunch of times. Let's take a look at Week 5 and 6. Again, Wilson returning home to Gursky Stadium on Friday, September 30th. They'll host J.P. McCaskey, who is currently sitting at 2-2 and following their Week 4 loss to Lancaster Lebanon League Section 1 foe uh, Conestoga Valley. But McCaskey,
0: much better this year, for sure. Definitely. I think new coaching staff there, correct? Um, I believe you are correct. Yeah, I think so. We have a new coaching staff there. Um, yeah, started out week one against State College, who is um, you know already putting up big things. But uh, a lot of people have really high expectations for State College uh, this year. So um, in that week one score, kind of attention, because while people say State College was in control, McCaskey was hanging around, and it ended up being a State College win, twenty four thirteen. Which caught some people's eyes because a lot of people thought that was going to be a lopsided game with State College blowing the doors off McCaskey. That's not what happened. So that kind of got people's attention. Then McCaskey goes to William Penn, which is York High School, um, and won 26-6. The game was stopped in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was like six or eight minutes left. There was gunfire in the... Parking lot, not yes. at, not at the game itself, and I believe it was completely unrelated to. Yeah, the I don't game. think it had anything to do. with right. The
1: parking lot's not exactly right next to the stadium, right? Yeah. But I know there was chaos. We were following along right. on and, Twitter,
0: and so that game they ended that game, um, but the game was not in question. Uh, McCaskey won twenty six to six, so kind of you know took care of business there. Uh, played Reading last well two in weeks, week ago. three yeah. yeah in week three, and housed them one really big forty one nineteen. And then Conestoga Valley, who is also up this year, kind of like Warwick, who is you know, well, it had, had been doing poorly for a few years. I think Conestoga Valley might have a four-year starter at at quarterback Stol- or something Grant like Stoltzfuss. that. Stoltzfus, he might be a four-year. Starter. He, it might I'm be three. Sure. I think he's been the quarterback a few years. It's at least three. It's right. at least three. And, and so you know, a lot of people are talking about Conestoga Valley's high-powered offense. They put up 43 points against McCaskey, so you know you see that there. But they they were able to score twenty one. So McCaskey lost that one forty three twenty one. But again, coming in two and two with signs promising signs that, of a step yeah. up from last year's team, uh, yep, which, which really struggled. Yeah, McCaskey's you know
1: two and two coming to Gursky uh, for the forty fourth all time meeting between the squad. Wilson leads this one thirty five seven and one. The last time these teams played just last year on September twenty fifth. At McCaskey, Wilson came away with the victory 38-7. to Now you got to go back a ways, talking 13 years, nearly to the day for the last McCaskey win. It was the same season um, that we mentioned earlier in the show where uh, James Bryan and the Red Knights got the better of Chad Henney and the Bulldogs. Well, McCaskey repaid the favor earlier in, in the year on September 26, 2003. McCaskey at home in Lancaster beat the Bulldogs 31-14. to So that game nearly 13 years ago. Was the last time the Red Tornado have beaten the Bulldogs? And again,
0: for people who don't remember, that was the time where McCaskey was producing uh, Division One football players, not just Division One basketball players. They were producing <laughs> Division One football players. Um, uh, this was after Patterson at yeah. quarterback, but they had some receivers and some other skill guys who got uh, some looks there. So, um, you know, I know that's a, a long time ago, but again, uh, McCaskey. You can't overlook them. They're, they're much improved and, you know, it's going to provide an opportunity for the Bulldogs again to show growth from the last two weeks. Uh, we're looking for that opportunity to get better. McCaskey's going to make sure you, you're doing the things you're supposed to do or they're going to be, um, you're going to find yourself in a game and, uh, you know, kind of like last week. Yep. You hope, end up having to hope you make enough plays uh, to come out on top.
1: Following the game at home versus McCaskey in week five, the Bulldogs on October seventh will travel to Millersville to play the Penn Manor Comments. They are sitting at one and three, and that's significant because this past week, week four, they were at Lebanon and they got their first win since October 2014. Yeah. The Comets have been riding a very long losing streak. They went 0 10 last year. They started the season 0 3 this year. I think they lost the final two or three the year before. I think so it they started had started like,
0: a losing streak that started at Wilson, I think that year. It would have been at Penn Manor. Okay. So, but sorry, against Wilson and then i think they might have lost week 10 which would have lost, been eight so two lost so i opener. think they that was a 15 game losing streak right i i think because i think they lost and then they that dropped them in the district mm-hmm. rankings and they ended up having a really tough matchup losing there i don't remember exactly but yeah um,
1: 15 plus game
0: losing again, streak for the comments but to get that first win um you know they had some struggles early in the season but to beat lebanon was new to section one, you know, was a step in the right direction, and they did it convincingly. Yeah, they did absolutely. 8 to 12. And they'll actually have a
1: chance to get their second win. They go to Hempfield this coming week, week right. five, and Hempfield, they're struggling. Yeah,
0: they're they haven't won a game yet. 0 4, and I'm not sure they've had one that's close. Right.
1: So, uh, Penn Manor, you know, they lost week one at Cedar Cliff, 40 to nothing. The next week, they Cedar lost Cliff
0: who's looking really good. Really
1: good. Yeah. Next week, they lost at home against Lambert to Strasbourg. Again, another really good team. They're at 3 1, their only loss being the Mannheim mm-hmm. Central. Then they were actually really competitive at Dallastown, right. who I believe is undefeated. At least they were um, when we were doing the research for this. Um, and a late uh, interception return for a touchdown gave Dallastown an expanded lead. So the Comets lost to Dallastown 23-13. Town is supposed to be one of the best teams in York. So you kind of see it starting to turn around for the right. Comets there. Right. Then they go out and just house Lebanon at Lebanon 48-12. And like I mentioned, they have Hempfield this week, week 5, And we'll see what they could do. So the Comets could be hosting the
0: Bulldogs coming off of two consecutive wins. Right, and and starting to put things together there. So, again, another team where, you know, momentum seems to possibly be moving in the right direction. You know, if you end up in one of those situations where, you know, where anything can happen, um, you know, then you find yourself in those close games at the end. So, uh, Wilson has plenty to kind of uh, sure up over, over the next few weeks. Um, and hopefully continue to get good results and, and, um, you know, positive results. But, uh, You know they have McCaskey this week, and they got to worry about that one first.
1: Yeah, well, we'll keep talking about Penn Manor because this is (laughs) the 26th all-time meeting between the Bulldogs and comments. And you know, if you remember back to our preseason show, you'll remember Wilson has never lost to Penn Manor. They are a perfect 25 and 0. The last meeting was last year, October 30th, 2015, at Gursky. Wilson won that one, 42 to 21, and that's the game where Wilson ran out to a 35 nothing lead in the first quarter.
0: Yeah, I remember we. There are a lot of people talking about maybe one of the least competitive games they've seen you know, in a I've long ever time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so Last pan Manor Win is uh, not available because it hasn't happened yet. Hopefully for the Bulldogs' sake, this isn't the year that it happens. Yeah all right so that is most of everything we needed to cover on episode four the second season of the bulldog hour again on friday nights you can find uh justin and i on the sidelines or in the box at at all the wilson games you can get information on the bulldogs on facebook twitter and instagram look for at wilson bulldogs and at bulldog hour on all those places you know we have live game updates photos we even do some periscope broadcasts and hopefully we're going to have some more live video interviews we didn't have any this week because we don't we don't like to talk to the coaches and players after a loss,
0: you know they're not always yeah we willing to open up. We're fortunate that they they provide the opportunity for us because really let, let's be honest, it's their it's their call. Right? You know, if they don't they don't want us around, we're we're not around. So um, you know we're not about to push it. Certainly not after after a tough loss. And you know this week kind of have to read the moment. Didn't seem quite. D- didn't like the seem time, like the
1: appropriate time to, time to, to ask talk. anyone to so, stick around. Right?
0: So. You know we appreciate what they let us do, and we're not about to try and um, abuse that that privilege.
1: So make sure you follow us: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Besides at Bulldog Hour, you can also find the uh, the Mothership at JMNJR underscore Radio. Uh, You can follow Justin at Mister underscore Raffoff or me at Coach Joe Mays. Um, Thanks to our sponsors, Mays Sandwich Shop, who's been here since day one. And, And you know, last week we talked about how we had a generous anonymous donor. Um, provide some financial support for us. But this week, we had another chip in, which is wonderful. And we actually got to meet him because he is a Warwick graduate and now currently covers uh, high school football for easternpafootball.com. And he's also well-known for high school basketball and his coverage at llhoops.com. That's Mr. Andy Her, And you probably know him on Twitter as at Andy
0: Brackets. Yeah, so if you don't know him, uh, give him a follow at yeah. Andy Brackets. Um, for Lancaster 11 league basketball. That's, that's kind of how I had known him. I've seen his work on Eastern PA football already this year. Um, he did have a write up on the Wilson Warwick game as well. So you can head over to the dot football.com site and read that. Um, you know, show him some love as he's, he's been helping us out. That was great.
1: Yeah. We're extremely appreciative of his support of the bulldog hour and we're going to try to get him on sometime now that he's covering, um, you know, high school football for Eastern PA Um, he's someone that we're going to talk about and maybe profile, um, as we start to uh, bring in the media contingency out there, you know, from the Reading Eagle and Penn live and things like that. Um, EPA is a great resource as well. So, uh, Andy's going to be one of the first guys that we try to hook up with maybe in, you know, the off season, uh, in the spring as we're leading into the next year, that'd be a good thing to uh, talk about some of the, uh, get to know some of the media guys that give Bulldogs coverage outside of us. Yeah. So if you're interested in supporting the show, you can do so at bulldoghour.com, As I mentioned at the top of the episode, um, I think that's it. Any last words for this episode, Justin?
0: No, just hopefully we can learn some things from the last two weeks and uh, start to, uh, you know, clean some things up moving forward into McCaskey and then hopefully Penn Manor too.
1: Definitely. It sounds good to me. Um, just, I'll keep saying it. Keep going to BulldogHour.com where you can get everything from Justin and I and more player of the game, ways to help. All the videos, audio, everything is there for your perusal at BulldogHour.com. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Bulldog Hour for Justin Raffoff and the Wilson football program. I'm Joe Mays and remember, go, go Bulldogs. Bulldogs.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.